Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. It's a standard Highways Voices this week as we talk standardising carbon emissions measurement. To enable all organisations to be able to compare both their historic position and their current position in a reliable, robust and repeatable way, but also to be able to benchmark with each other. We're talking to the Future Highways Research Group this week about new guidance aimed at tackling one of the most pressing issues faced by local highways authorities, consistent carbon measurement and reporting. No hot air here, it's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. Welcome to the leading transport-related podcast in the UK. From me, Paul Hutton, Simon Wilson from Proving Services on his way this week with our main interview. We have our partner news as well, tucked into the podcast, and Adrian's accolade. And talking of news and Adrian, here's my co-owner of Highways News, Adrian Tatum, with some of the stories that have caught his eye this week. National Highways starting the search for contractors for its next-generation pavement delivery framework. Interested parties have until May the 12th to submit their bids for the place on the framework, which is being run over five years, via the Bravo Solutions portal. The plan this time around is to replace the current arrangement, which is six geographical areas with two lots per area, for projects either worth under or over £1 million. This will be replaced by nine regional lots based around the current regional maintenance areas, including three super regions and six smaller regions. Elsewhere, the five shortlisted bidders on the two contracts relating to the building of the Lower Thames Crossing will be asked to prioritise carbon reduction as part of their bids. The five shortlisted bidders across the two contracts will be judged on the ability to strip carbon emissions out of the construction process after the project was designated a Pathfinder project to explore carbon neutral construction in the UK earlier this year. National Highway's existing calculations show the construction of the Lower Thames Crossing would account for around 2 million metric tonnes of embodied carbon if no mitigations were put in place. However, the bidders have been set the challenge of ensuring that the embodied carbon during construction does not exceed 1.8 million tonnes now. And finally from me this week, some contractors and suppliers have warned that highway maintenance schemes could be delayed this season, with prices going up as a result of supply challenges and spiralling costs, according to the Road Surface Treatments Association. Prices for most materials used for maintenance projects is an immediate problem, with some suppliers further up the supply chain citing a force majeure for increases as a result of the war in Ukraine, as well as other issues including logistic problems. As a result, these companies have said it may be impossible to honour original agreed contract prices. Also, diesel fuel has increased by 30 to 40 pence per litre on average, with price rises being witnessed daily. You can also read on highwaysnews.com about friend of Highways Voices Darren Capes being appointed to help run the Institute of Highway Engineers, new e-bike projects in Scotland, Ford's all-electric future, and Sir Rod Stewart turns road mender, but not to everyone's pleasure. You can read around 50 stories a week on our website about highways and transport technology and you'll get them all in a quick check digest in our daily email to your inbox every lunchtime as well as updates on our twitter and linkedin pages we really are the only place you need to go for everything you need to know swaco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer quicker more convenient and environmentally sound from software as a service traffic management solutions to parking vms ev charging and road marking too 
Find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Last week on Highways News, you may have read a story about new guidance being issued aimed at tackling one of the most pressing issues faced by local highways authorities, consistent carbon measurement and reporting. The Association of Directors of Environment, Economy, Planning and Transport, that's adept to you and me, and the Future Highways Research Group, led by Proving Services, have launched a comprehensive guide document for Scope 1 and 2 greenhouse gas emissions. So let's find out more about this important work with Simon Wilson of Proving Services. And I started by asking him, for those who don't know, what the FHRG actually is. The Future Highways Research Group is a a freestanding organisation we're not as such a part of ADEPT. We have a, a research, uh, an exclusive research partnership with ADEPT and its members. We have been going for quite some time, since 2015. In fact, we have 36 mostly county councils and large unitaries, but also some of the London boroughs as members. And we cover a very significant part of the network. And we work with research active organisations. So each of these organisations is in some way doing something interesting and wants to be part of something interesting. And if we then look at what that really means for them, a lot of them have declared climate emergencies. A lot of them are now developing carbon reduction initiatives as part of their strategies. And a key aspect of any strategy for carbon reduction is going to be carbon measurement, because otherwise, how can you ever monitor your progress? Now, there's a problem that compounds that because within the sector at the moment, there is a serious degree of fragmentation around how things are measured, how things are consolidated, how things are calculated, and therefore what each organization's carbon position currently is. It's very clear for GHD scope one and two, which is not really the highways bag, although we produced guidance for it to create awareness and understanding. But Within the sector itself, it gets even more complicated because once you start to add in supply chain, then within supply chains, you have this cascade of reporting, which becomes incredibly complex. And it's even more fragmented because different supply chain partners have raced to create their own frameworks and standards because they want to be responsible organizations and report their carbon. But this creates this highly uneven landscape for the purposes of reporting. So the role of the FHRG in this particular context is to create a level playing field, a series of standardized calculations, recommended measures, and methods for reporting across the supply chain, that's scope one, two, and three, to enable all organizations to be able to compare both their historic position and their current position in a reliable, robust, and repeatable way, but also to be able to benchmark with each other. Once you're at a stage where everybody is largely playing by the same rules, then we can start to assess the landscape of the entire sector and monitor progress. Highways as an element of a local authority, is, as you will know, is a huge part of the carbon output for local authorities. And so, therefore, this is a really important exercise. We'll come back to that in a second, Simon. I just want to, first of all, just for somebody listening who doesn't know, explain very briefly the differences between scopes one, two, and three. So scope one is emissions from combusted fuels. That's gas, burning oils, diesel, petrol used in vehicles. Those are all combusted fuels as 
owned by the authority or used by the authority. So that's, that's direct emissions from, from combusted fuels. Scope two is emissions from purchased electricity. So that could be electricity that's used on sites or increasingly used in electric vehicles, either purchased from public recharging stations or, again, on site. And then scope three are the emissions from your supply chain. So for purchased goods and services, it's slightly more complex than that, but for, to, to keep it nice and simple, for purchased goods and services from a supply chain, what are the emissions from that? So what do you expect from the reporting of your supply chain partners? And to be clear, when we're talking about highways in this case, this isn't measuring emissions from vehicles on the roads that you're managing. This is emissions from the construction and the maintenance of your own network. Correct. So that, these are emissions associated with exactly, as you say, construction and maintenance of assets within the boundary of a local authority. Okay, so now we've kind of set the scene. <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking, God, that sounds like hard work trying to standardise all that and trying to, to get reporting mechanisms in there and making sure that you're comparing apples with apples and not apples with oranges. But mm. therefore, the question is, how on earth are you doing it? So it, it is. Well, we haven't started Scope 3. We are literally launching the Scope 3 project now. We've just finished publishing the guidance for Scope 1 and 2. It's now out with the debt members. It's available to anybody in the sector who would like it. Scope 3 is the more complex one. That then we've got a, a series of collaborating organizations, including Atkins and Ringway and Colas and Breeden and the DFT are contributing to it too, to work together with a, a multidiscipline team to work together to work through what the issues are and how to resolve this challenge of uniform measurement and reporting. And it is not insignificant. So we've done some feasibility studies. And for example, the number of carbon calculators currently in use is almost the same number as members of the FHRG. We've identified so far 32 carbon calculators. Now, those range from simple Excel models right the way through to quite sophisticated software systems, which are proprietary. And so that, that reinforces this degree of fragmentation. I guess the other problem is nobody knows which way to leap. So people have been making investments on their own behalf because they feel they have to get on with the job. That's created, again, this uneasiness in the sector that we're spending money to develop our own standards while there are no overarching, no umbrella standards. So that, that's something of the scale that is ahead of us. You're listening to Highways Voices and Simon Wilson of Proving Services is our guest this week and we'll have more from him in a moment. But first, this week, here's Sarah with an update from our partners. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations, ITS UK, Elkrig, Adept and the Transport Technology Forum. Earlier, you heard a mention that Darren Capes of the DFT has been voted into the team running the Institute of Highway Engineers. As junior vice president, he started on the journey to being institute president in four years' time. And he's been busy this week because he's written a blog post explaining the new manual for smart streets that Transport Technology Forum and Connected Places Catapult have produced for the Department for Transport. The manual is intended to provide guidance to support local authorities in implementing technology that supports traffic management and the operation of streets. This includes how traffic signals will develop to connect to vehicles in the future, 
how new sources of data can link to implementing other services in the local authority, information for how people could move around, providing a wider control and management of the network to the local authority. You can read Darren's thoughts on the TTF website and join the official launch of the manual on Monday, part hosted by our own Paul Hutton. Details of how to sign up are, of course, in the blurb. They're not just working on the new carbon standardisation project that you're hearing about on Highways Voices today. ADEPT is also due to publish its new policy position on speed management shortly. The association will make the case for far greater consistency in how speed limits are set and enforced, particularly in rural areas. At present, local highways authorities set local speed limits, but the association is calling for greater clarity from government. It wants to see a consistent national safe system approach where speed limits are based on a road's function. Speed management is critical to road safety, preventing accident and death, but current council budgets are severely stretched. ADEPT is therefore also calling for better funding and resources from government to implement vital safety measures. Keep an eye on the ADEPT website for further details. Nick Blythe, Policy and Engagement Lead at IEMA, has been confirmed as the final panellist for Elkrig, the Local Council Roads Innovation Group's forthcoming webinar, Practical Steps on the Journey to Net Zero, Understanding the Challenge. IEMA, which is the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment, is the professional body for everyone working, studying or interested in environment and sustainability. Nick is IEMA's lead on climate change, natural environment and corporate sustainability. The webinar is the first in a series of events that will set out the breadth of the challenge faced with a focus on working towards solutions to help the sector reach net zero. There is still time to register with the event taking place next Tuesday, the 22nd of March at 11am. With the road sector under increasing pressure to adapt to improving environmental standards and meet the expectations of government and society, including bringing all greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050, Elkrig has teamed up with Colas and Breeden to deliver this exclusive series. Speakers from National Highways, Colas and West Berkshire Council complete the panel for the launch event. You can find out more and register at elkrig.org.uk. Finally, our friends at ITS UK are hosting their Inclusive Mobility Forum on Disabled Access Day, which by the time you hear this, you may well have missed. But because of the policy of recording and sharing every event, you can still see and hear what they talked about as they examined the theme of digital exclusion, hearing insights from Nexus Alpha and the Research Institute for Disabled Consumers. And with inter-traffic returning in under two weeks, if you're an ITS UK member and you're going to be in Amsterdam, please let them know. Then they can make sure they tell all the members about your involvement. You might even get a visit to your stand. All the links, as always, are in the blurb. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. You're listening to Highways Voices with me, Paul Hutton, and our guest Simon Wilson of Proving Services, who's heading up the work of the Future Highways Research Group into standardising carbon measurement and reporting in local authorities and their suppliers. So I asked him what's in it for people who've already got methods in place to measure their emissions to get on board with this idea. I guess the problem comes with the accuracy and completeness of the processes that you've adopted and the reliability of your data and the robustness of your calculation mechanisms. So if your supply chain are also calculating using different standards, then that adds to the uncertainty. We haven't found anybody that we've interviewed so far, and we've interviewed a lot of organizations who are so precious 
about what they have developed so far that they aren't actually enthusiastic to look at something that's standardized for the entire sector. Encouragingly, we have decided as a baseline, we'll start with one of the academic models which has been developed by Devon County Council and Exeter University as kind of a cornerstone and then create some standards around that and then test some of the other leading carbon calculators around those standards. So what we're hoping to publish is not a one-size-fits-all. We're not going to create another carbon calculator. What we're going to do is write the standard for what a carbon calculator should look like and then allow authorities and private sector organizations to either adapt what they have produced in-house or select products and services that will calculate in that way and provide consistent reporting in that way. So we're not trying to tie the hands of anybody. We want to gently steer the sector towards this, this polarized position of being able to report in the same way. This is great because at the end you've got reporting and you've got statistics but what practical uses are there is there a way then from getting statistics so that you've got standardized understanding of different supply chain emissions that you can actually use that to influence policy absolutely you'd want to influence policy and uh, we're expecting it to become we've already identified within the highway sector 57 carbon reduction initiatives that have been either proposed or are in trial. We have a whole cluster of potential additional ones that will be created through Live Labs 2 should that research program roll forward. But unless you can measure it and measure it in a consistent way, how would the rest of the sector ever believe with any kind of credibility that the carbon reductions that you've achieved from policy change or process change or materials change or equipment change is actually real? So that level of transparency and consistency should give the entire sector the ability to review a whole wealth of options and share knowledge about how carbon reduction strategies, which are predicated on, on robust foundations. And that's what we're aiming for for this. This measurement, this standardization and guidance in itself is not a benefit, apart from the purposes of benchmarking. Beyond that, the real benefit comes with the certainty from being able to assess on a level playing field a whole raft of both private sector and public sector initiated initiatives to reduce the carbon footprint and then share that knowledge freely so that we can benefit from the understanding, the cost invested and the, the, uh, and the clear outcomes that we're achieving using these measures. So that, that's where we're trying to go with it. If I were to use a sporting analogy and say a, a football league table, at the moment, what we're getting is the equivalent of one is using what we now use as three points for a win, one point for a draw, and then goal difference and so forth. Somebody else might be putting goal difference first. Somebody else might still be having two points for a win. And somebody else might decide that what's really important is how nice the player's shirts are is where the team is in the league. <laughs> Until you standardise the point scoring, so to speak, you can't compare how good different teams are. Is that a kind of reasonable analogy for what you're trying to do is to standardize how we count the emissions and the way we rate good and bad? Well, without a comprehensive understanding of football, I think that's probably about right. I think there is a genuine enthusiasm amongst local authorities and their supply chain partners to be able to learn from each other. This is a sector-wide problem. It's not, a, it's not a problem of competitive advantage. The climate change problem is a problem for the sector as a whole. 
And so therefore, any learning, if it's going to be shared, has to be shared based upon a foundation of understanding of what it really means. So once those principles, once those measures are in place, and once they are uniformly applied, then that process can occur. Now, benchmarking is not for the purposes of showing up one authority or another authority, because all the authorities have very different profiles. We have got, obviously, urban, rural, mixed, coastal authorities at the moment, and they will have very different profiles in terms of the materials they need to use, the processes they adopt on the network, and current network condition. So it's not that kind of benchmark. You know, we, we have less, uh, less carbon output than you. What we're trying to do mostly is encourage authorities to be certain about where they are today. And as you suggested earlier, then be able to make year-on-year assessments uh, to, to show them they're going in the right direction. If there are other authorities who have made significant changes in their carbon footprint, we want them to be able to reveal their, the, the, the process and material changes and decisions they've made to other authorities so that they can evaluate the value of those within their own context. And if there is no value in their context, they can dismiss them, but at least it allows us to share best practice in a meaningful way. So what's the next step? And is it a case of people getting involved in the project or just waiting for you to come back with suggestions and standards for the future? This is a big deal for us. So this is an all-member research program, and it's the first of its kind. So previously, we've worked with a subset, sometimes as few as one authority, to look at what they're doing and be able to publish that more widely. With the original Scope 1 and 2 guidance, we worked with 10 authorities. This one is going to use the entire community. So, so we're going to have 30-plus authorities involved in this as a project. We're going to get their input. We're going to get their thoughts and observations with regard to what we're developing and how practical it is in the real world. We want it to be a best fit solution for the sector. So the more the more supply chain partners that can be involved, the more local authorities that can be involved, the more likely we are to have a standard that everybody will agree to adopt. Post-creation, we will then offer that up to all the debt members to be able to review separately and come back with their feedback. So what we're not aiming for is the definitive endpoint here. We're looking for a starting point, which is, robust enough and complete enough to be able to offer as guidance to the sector. At the same time, we expect it to be a living document. So each year, as our understanding becomes more refined, as our experiences provide us better feedback about what works in the real world, we'll look to re-edit the document and create new additions on an annual basis. There is a very significant chance that there is going to be further modification and expansion of the current GHG protocols. And we will need to reflect that on an annual basis. So that's the journey that we're going on. Simon Wilson, our Highways Voice this week, talking about the Future Highways Research Group work on new guidance for greenhouse gas emissions measurement. And you can find out more at adeptnet.org.uk.
Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. We're almost out of time, but we've got time for the most important moment in the show when we tip our hat to someone or some people doing great things in the industry in... Adrian's accolade. Adrian, who gets your accolade this week? Um, My accolade this week goes to the Department of Transport's ITS policy lead, Darren Capes. He's been appointed the next junior vice president of the Institute of Highway Engineers. The appointment, following a ballot of members, is the first step on the cycle to become president of the organisation in a few years' time. During his time at the DFT, Darren has gained a solid reputation as being one of the key industry leaders and has brought central and local government closer together, bringing more awareness of the importance of ITS technology on the network. Congratulations, Darren. And Darren Capes also gets the accolade for being the first person to be mentioned at the beginning, the middle and the end of a highway's voices. That's it for this week's podcast. Thanks again to our partners Adept, L. Craig, ITS UK and the TTF for their support and contribution. To Simon Wilson for being our guest and to you for listening. Do tell your colleagues about us and we'll join you next week for another Highways Voices. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 